shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, God with us, or Emmanuel, the Lord is salvation, or Jesus. What's in a name? You know, naming someone is no easy task. As a matter of fact, I remember when Kayla and I were naming our children. Uh, Josiah was pretty easy. He was our firstborn. And uh, I pretty much knew uh, since I was younger that if the Lord ever gave me a son, I wanted his name to be Josiah. Uh, The name means God supports or uh, God heals. But really, he is named after King Josiah in the Old Testament, one of the kings of Judah, who at the age of eight became an incredible king that led the people back to God. Josiah's name was a little bit easier for us. I already knew uh, what I wanted to name him. But Janelyn's name, our youngest, hers was a little bit more difficult. Uh, Now the name Janelyn, it's a combination of Jana and Lynn. Uh, Jana means God is gracious. And so that's where our daughter was named from. But her name wasn't easy to to come to, mainly because if you know anything about our house, uh, when Kayla has to make a decision, it's kind of fun for us because she doesn't like to make decisions. And so something as big as a name, right, that will uh, be with someone forever, a name that uh, means something that's lasting was a little difficult to come by. Now, many of you have named children, and so you probably remember the challenges of what it was like to uh, name your own kids. As a matter of fact, several years ago, I heard a well-known pastor talk about when he and his wife were having kids and the difficulty that they had in naming them. He talked about how running that they, they ran out of their favorite names after their third child. Now for us, for most of us in the room, that doesn't mean anything because we don't have more than three children. But for them, they have six. And so when they ran out after three, uh, they started struggling a little bit with what they were gonna name their kids. And what this guy talked about was he discovered some things that he didn't know that were important when you are naming someone. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, If you or your spouse ever dated someone with a certain name, uh, then that name was off limits, right? You couldn't name your kid your favorite ex-girlfriend, right? Like that would be a horrible decision. Or if your parents or your spouse's parents knew someone that they didn't like or they thought was slightly odd or weird or different or whatever the case may be, that name was also off limits for your children. Or if you have a name picked out, uh, you certainly want to check what the name means because it may be beautiful, but it may mean something silly and you decide that's not uh, what you want to name someone. Or if you've got a name picked out, maybe you should look at it in connection with a middle name and a last name. Maybe you should write it out to make sure that the name looks as you want it to look. As a matter of fact, he gave a couple of examples that I thought was funny. I wanted to share them with you this morning. He said, you could end up like the Mann family who named their daughter Anita Mann. That might be a little strange after a little while. Or the Wright family who named their daughter Eileen Wright. Or the Price family who named their daughter Lois Price. I'm not sure why all these names seem to be girl names, but that's what he came up with. There were a couple others that he said that were kind of funny too. He said, you could end up like a lady named Helen who married a man with the last name Back. After 10 years of marriage, he said he'd been to hell and back. (laughs) Or you could end up like the Butts family who named their son Harry. But listen, it doesn't really matter where you fall, right, on that. You can obviously see 
why names are so important. Now, here's the truth. I don't know if any of those names I just shared are actually real, but the point is names mean something, and they're typically with you forever. Now, you say, Danny, those are silly. I agree, but listen to this. If this is true for you, and this is true for me, imagine the importance of the name of God's Son. Imagine the importance of the name of the Savior of the world. Imagine the importance of the name Jesus. As a matter of fact, here at First Baptist, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at one of the most well-known prophecies about Jesus leading all the way up to today. The prophecy is about the name of God's Son, the descriptions that are given to the Savior of the world that are given to Jesus. It's found in Isaiah chapter number 9, verse 6. Here's what Isaiah wrote. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Now, I was thinking about these names, and it made me think of the many things that I'm called, by the way, such as if I hear someone say, Daniel, here's what I know. That's probably going to be my mom, because that's my real name. No one calls me Daniel except for really close family members. Now, I love my name. comes after uh, prophet in the Bible. Also, the name means God is my judge or my leader, so Daniel is a good name. But if I hear that, I'm typically looking for my mom. Or if I hear the word daddy, right, that's a description for me, I'm typically going to look for my kids. Where's Josiah? Where's Janelin? Those are the people who call me daddy. It's something I'm known by. Or if I hear Boudreaux, not a lot of people around here call me Boudreaux, but if I hear that name, which is my last name, I look for some old buddies from high school because that's what I was known by with some of my closer friends when I was younger. Or I might hear Uncle Dan. I would then look for my nieces and nephews because, by the way, I don't know where you fit in your family, but I am the favorite uncle. And so when I hear that, I look for more of my family. Or if I hear pastor or preacher or brother Danny, here's what I know. Someone from the church has found me even though I've been hiding, right? Now, for some of you, I might be your pastor, and that might come with a lot of sentiment. For others of you, I might just be the guy who stands up on stage and preaches every week. But if I hear those terms, I know someone from church has found me. However, Jesus is a name that carries a lot more weight than my name. Jesus is much more important than me. Just a few weeks ago in our Bible reading plan, we read how important the name of Jesus is. As a matter of fact, I want to read it to you. It comes from Philippians chapter 2. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes about the name of Jesus. He wrote, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now listen, I don't know why you got your name for those of you who are in this building. I don't know why you named your kids what you named them, but here's what I do know. Names mean something, and they will likely be with us forever. So when Isaiah gives these descriptions, these names of Jesus, by the way, the name that is above every name, I think it's important for us to key in on what he was talking about. When he says that Jesus would be the wonderful counselor, the Pele Yoez, the guide that we need for this life, it would be important. 
When Jesus is called mighty God, the El Gibor, our strong, mighty warrior hero champion who would defeat sin and death and the grave, it was important. When Isaiah would call Jesus the everlasting father, the Abiad, our better king who will reign forevermore, whose kingdom will have no end, it was pretty important. But Jesus, uh, Isaiah sums up the names, the descriptions of Jesus with this one, Prince of Peace. Now what exactly is Isaiah talking about? Well, the Hebrew words are sar Shalom. Now, shalom is probably a familiar term that you've heard in Hebrew before. The word for prince, the Hebrew word sar, the word means a representative of the king, an official, or it can mean, and most likely better mean, a commander. It's the general word for the leader of a group or a region. As a matter of fact, the word's been translated multiple different ways in the Old Testament. It's been translated as King Solomon's high officials. It's been translated as commander or some form of military leader. It's been translated as leading priests or officers of God. Every time it's used, it is of someone with authority coming from God himself to command something. Now, I don't want you to think about the word prince as royalty, although Jesus is certainly royalty. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But I want you to think of this term more in connection with Jesus having the authority from God to lead or command. Jesus is the commander sent by God to make sure peace happens. This is the word sar. He is prince of what? Peace. This is the Hebrew word shalom. Now, the word means peace, of course, but it also means wholeness, prosperity, success, well-being, or health. The word means more than just the absence of war or the absence of fighting. It means to make something whole or to make something complete. As a matter of fact, if you were to visit Israel today, the word shalom would be a common greeting or a common goodbye. You would simply say to someone, hello, or shalom. Or you would say to someone, goodbye, or shalom. However, you're actually saying more than just the word peace. You're saying, may you be full of well-being, or may health and prosperity be upon you. You see, the word shalom is like speaking a blessing over someone else. Shalom means that all will be as it was meant to B. So Jesus, think about this. Jesus will be the prince or the commander who has the authority of God. He will be the prince of peace or all things being made as they were meant to be. In other words, the commander who has God's authority, Jesus, will lead the world back to how it was meant to be. He is the Sar Shalom. He is the prince of peace. He is the one coming to bring everything back to how God God intended it to be. I don't know about you, but when I studied that and read through that, it gave greater meaning, more clarity to what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Let me read this story to you. You've heard it. It's a familiar part of the Christmas story. It comes from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, why would it be good news of great joy that will be for all people? Why would the angel say, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased? Why would this be their declaration to the world? Here's why I think it is. Because the commander of making all things as they should be has been Born, Jesus would be the Prince of Peace who would set all things right. Listen, Jesus brings peace. He restores things to how God originally designed them to be. You say, Danny, how do we know this? I'm going to give you three quick little ways that we see Jesus in Christmas and forevermore as the Prince, the Commander with all the authority of God to bring peace or to make things as they were meant to be. The first one is like this. Jesus brings an upward kind of peace, an upward peace. What do I mean when I use the word upward? Well, what I mean is that our relationship with God has been made right because Jesus brings peace. Peace. As a matter of fact, the good news the angels were talking about with the shepherds, the good news was Jesus. Why is it good? Because he's made peace between me and God. You see, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 or, or, or page 3 exactly in my Bible, here's what you discover. God created everything perfect until man disobeyed and sin entered the world. And the struggle of people to be made right with God ever since that moment can be read about all throughout the Old Testament. Then the first Christmas came, and guess what? Everything changed. Why? Because Jesus was born, because peace between me and God was born. God made a way for me to have upward peace, peace with him through his son, Jesus. This is why... Good news is what the angels said. The best news, this is the great joy for all people. This is the peace that could be had on earth. The relationship with God that had been destroyed by sin was now restored by a Savior. Jesus made peace between me and God. This is why the angels told the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. As a matter of fact, you can read in Micah chapter 5 where it's prophesied that a king will come, that the Christ will make peace. You can go back to Zechariah chapter 9 and you will discover that Jesus will come and he will make peace. You can read in the early church in Acts chapter 10. It says that as for the word that was sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through 
through his name. The early church knew that Jesus brought peace. Or you can read to the church of Rome in Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, friends, listen, I know it's Christmas. I know we're hanging out with family. I know we got lunch plans. I know we got more gifts. I know we got toys to play with. I know we got a lot of fun things that are going to happen with family. But can I ask you a question real quick? Do you know this kind of peace? Because our sin has separated us from a holy God, but Jesus was born. Good news was born. Peace was born. Why? So that I could be made right with God. Jesus brings an upward peace. Can I show you something else though? He also brings an outward peace. The angel said to the shepherds back in Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now don't miss this simple phrase that we find from the angels. Among those. Listen, certainly Jesus brings peace between man and God, but Jesus also brings peace between man and man. He has brought peace between me and God, but also me and others. Our relationship with God can experience peace, and so can my relationships with everyone else. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned back in Genesis 3, it certainly destroyed our relationship with God. But it also destroyed our relationship with others. In fact, that's exactly what sin does. It destroys. It's destroyed all of creation. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8, that not just people, right, not just this part of creation, but all of creation longs and groans for the day when it will be made right. As a matter of fact, Isaiah would later say that this is what the world will be like when Jesus restores all things. He says this in Isaiah chapter 11. I want to read you a couple of verses. Listen to the contrast between how our world is today and between how the world was made to be, which, by the way, Jesus will usher in with peace. Here's what he says. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the type of restoration that Jesus will bring, not just with us and God, but with all of creation as he restores things to how they should be. Listen, sin has destroyed, but not Jesus. He's restored. He will restore peace to all things outwardly, not just with creation, but also with my relationship with everybody else. In fact, I love how Paul teaches this truth in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what he says. He says, remember that you at one time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But then he says a little bit later, for through him, talking about Jesus, we both have access. Doesn't matter who we are. All people have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now process this for a moment. The hostility that existed between people because of sin can now become peace through 
Jesus. We are no longer separated from God or from each other, but we've been brought near because of Christ. In other words, I love how Brother Evan put it earlier, we get to celebrate Christmas today with our family. As a matter of fact, I heard lots of people ask me today, are y'all traveling south? Are you going to see your family? What are, y'all, what are your Christmas plans? And I'll be honest, until Evan said that earlier, I hadn't thought about this, but can I tell you something, friends? We are celebrating Christmas with our family today. We my friends, our family, because of the peace that Jesus has brought. We are adopted. We are members of the household of God. Jesus brings an upward peace between us and God. He also brings an outward peace between us and others, along with all of creation. But can I show you this last one? You're like, yes, Danny, please show us the last one so we can leave. All right, last one. (laughs) That might have got the most laughs out of anything I've said today, so that's a a little awkward. Last one. Jesus also brings an inward peace. Listen, Genesis 3 records the first sin of mankind. The first time disobedience to God ever took place. This moment destroyed our relationship with God. It destroyed our relationship with everything around us, including our relationships with other people. But there's one more relationship that was broken. It was our relationship with ourselves. Sin would forever cause us to struggle within, searching for an inward peace that could never be found. Can I tell you something, friends? That was true until Jesus. Think back real quick to those shepherds when the angel appeared. Here's what they, here's what's said about the shepherds. They were filled with great fear. Now listen, when it comes to us and an angel appearing, we might have also been afraid in the same way, but this moment made me think about the many things that are all around our lives. So many things that happen that make us fearful or anxious or overwhelmed or overcome. There are so many things that leave us feeling anything but peace. As a matter of fact, the place that I see this the most is during tragedy. We don't know what's going to happen or we don't know how we're going to overcome or get past some situation that we go through. I think about when someone close to us passes away, right? The feelings of brokenness and hurt and pain. I have often had conversations with Christians during those moments and they all say the same thing. You know what they tell me? They say without God, they would never have been able to make it through this particular situation. Now here's what they didn't mean. They didn't mean that They didn't feel any of the emotions that everyone else feels. What it means when they say there's no way we could have made it without God, what they mean is that we have peace that cannot be explained. Paul wrote it like this to the church at Philippi. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now listen to this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Don't miss this. In Christ Jesus. Where does peace come from in? It comes from Jesus. Or what Paul would say to the church at Thessalonica when they lost people who were close to them. Here's what he wrote. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that, they may, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That's why the angel's response back to the shepherds is so awesome. The angel said, they're feared, they're they're afraid, they're scared. And the angels say, fear not. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Listen, they not only didn't need to fear the angel that had appeared to them, they didn't have to fear anything ever again because of Jesus and the peace that he would bring to each of us who follow him. As a matter of fact, Jesus is clear about this himself. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Or how about when he said this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus brings peace. One of my favorite moments in the story of Jesus is found after Jesus was killed on the cross and then the tomb was found empty because he had risen from the dead. His followers were gathered together in a locked room because they were afraid. What were they afraid of? Well, Jesus had been killed. Their leader was gone. If that happened to him, what might happen to those who still follow his name? You know what they were? They were scared. But then Jesus showed up, and he said something awesome to them. As a matter of fact, John records it in John chapter 20, verse 21. Here's what Jesus said to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Listen, if the guy who defeated death and sin and the grave stands before me and offers peace, I can tell you right now, that's the peace that I want to know. So listen, I know it's Christmas I know there's a lot of things going on in our minds. But listen, before we leave here today, can I, just, can I ask you a couple of questions? Do you have peace with God? Do you know that type of peace? Because listen, I know Christmas is a fun celebration, but wouldn't it be an easy way to remember from now till forever when you surrendered your life to Jesus if you did it on Christmas morning? Listen, if you don't know the kind of peace that God brings between us and him, his name is Jesus. And can I tell you something? In just a few moments, I'll be back in that lobby, and I would love to open up my Bible and tell you how you can have that type of peace. You say, Danny, all my family's here. Danny, we got lunch plans. Danny, we had to rush out. We still got things we're planning on doing. I, can I tell you something, friends? Listen to me. Your family will be glad to wait, even in the cold if they have to, if you, my friends, are hearing about Jesus and surrendering your life to him. Do you know? that kind of peace because listen Jesus brings peace between us and God but hey friends do you know the kind of peace that we have with each other listen there may be some folks in here and man you're just Christmas to you is anything but peaceful I mean you've been running around for the last few weeks you've wanted everything to be perfect you don't argued with everybody in your house at least 3,500 different times all for the sake of Christmas you say Danny I don't I don't know peace right now Hey, can I tell you something, friends? I don't care what kind of issues you have with anybody around you. I don't care what kind of hurt has taken place in your life. Can I tell you something? Listen, you're a sinner and so am I. So is the person who offended you. And Jesus has brought us all together as one family. Can I tell you something? If you've got some kind of issue with somebody else, wouldn't today be a great day for you to forgive, for you to say, I'm sorry, for you to say, hey, I've made some mistakes. I love you. Jesus is better. Can I tell you something, friends? He brings peace not just with us and God, but with us and each other. 
But can I just, one last thing, one last question. Do you have peace within? Man, you say, Danny, I'm just so frazzled. You don't know what the holidays mean to me because I've lost someone. And you don't know how chaotic this time is. Listen, I promise you, I don't. But can I tell you one who does? His name is Jesus. And you can look everywhere else you want to to end the conflicts that are happening within your very soul. But can I tell you something? You won't find it there. You will find it with a guy described as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the one described as the prince of peace. Hey, listen, there's no reason for anybody in this room to leave this morning without knowing the kind of peace that Jesus brings. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on in your life, but here's what I know. When the Bible is preached, it demands a response from me and from you. So here's what I invite. We're going to sing. We're going to have a little bit of time of response. I'm going to be back there in that lobby. Others will be too. If you need to talk with somebody, if you need to pray with somebody, if you need to ask somebody, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. Listen, you may be new to our church, but we don't do that down here in front of everybody for them to stare at you. We handle that type of business with God back there in the privacy of the lobby in one of those rooms. So you just slip back when we sing. You come find me or somebody else and you just say, hey, here's what's going on. I need to talk to you. Can I tell you something? We want to offer you the peace that you can have in Jesus today. I don't know how you need to respond, but I know that God demands a response from us. So you respond however you need to. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. You're awesome. God, thank you for our time together with you this morning. Father, thank you that we get to celebrate an incredible holiday like Christmas.